let's talk about healing, hope, and the possibility of afterlife. As we all will go through some kind of loss at one point in our life, and we will need help to get through it, even if you don't think you do. We're here to help you find your light at the end of the tunnel. Whether it's a dream, a visit, a vision, or a newfound life after loss, we believe life and love never dies. This is Surviving Death and Dying with Trisha and Misty. So today we have a special guest. She is the host of Sweet Empowerment Podcast. She's also a top mentor on the Wisdom app, which Trisha and I are also part of. And she's a life coach, Kristen Brown. She also has experience with grief and a strong belief in the afterlife with some great stories, which is why we brought her on this show. She's fun to talk to. Welcome, Kristen Brown. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It's so good to see you guys. Thank you again. Um, Can you give us a little bit about your path to becoming a life coach? Sure. Well, I've always been that type of person who has been driven to help other people. Like it's, it's literally in my being to, to help people feel good about themselves. I've always had that inside of me. And I became a hairdresser for 28 years. I had that career and I loved every single minute of that because it was, it was just, you know, filling people up from the inside and the outside. Right. But in 2008, I went through a really a serious situation that I call my tsunami. It was basically everything in my life had been wiped out in one fell swoop, like a big, huge wave had just annihilated my life and all of my identity. And it was through the hands of another individual. So in that time, I had really taken some serious self-inquiry and looked at myself and I said, what is it that I keep attracting these type of situations into my life over and over again? And my ex had said to me in, you know, a moment of arguing and trying to make me wrong. He said, you are the common denominator. And he said that to, you know, really make me feel bad about myself, even though clearly he was the one that was doing the the things on paper that everybody knows you don't do in a relationship. But I took those words to heart one day and I asked myself, what is it about me? what I am the common denominator. I'm the same person in all these relationships. I keep attracting the same stuff over and over again. So I, I decided to go within and I took two years off of dating and relationships. I vowed to remain single and celibate until I could figure this out because I had no idea what was happening. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't even know how to quote label myself. I had no idea. I just knew I kept attracting dysfunctional and lopsided relationships over and over again, abusive, um, alcoholics, disrespect, just all those things. And and I'm an amazing person. So I was like, what, what's going on here? So I took two years off. And in that time, what I did was I worked on myself. I healed. It was all mostly through spirituality. I have an entire bookshelf over here that I studied (laughs) and I read, and I started to notice myself shifting and changing And I asked myself, what is happening? And what truly happened was that I finally knew my own value for the very first time. And at that point, as most of you know, whoever have these type of awarenesses or breakthroughs, you just want to stand on the rooftops and shout it out to everybody. You don't have to suffer. (laughs) There is a way. (laughs) And then that's what started the whole thing. That's great. I I love that because everyone I think has felt at some point in their life, they're stuck. 
I know there's Trisha's feeling yeah. stuck. I'm in stuck her life right now in, in a different so, way, not yeah. relationship wise, you know, and I think we've all, I I've felt stuck and pulled myself out. And what you say is so key that it's really up to us. We have to want to change or figure it out and look within. Mm-hmm. And it's neat that you have figured that out. So other people who might be listening to you right now, if they're stuck, they might be able to turn to you for help as well, right? So now you help people or you do some life coaching kind of thing? 100%. Things? I'm, I, I've many times tried to label what I do. It's so hard to put labels on these type of things. But the nutshell is I call myself a relationship healing and self-worth recovery life coach, author, mentor. That's what I call myself because really, truly at the core of any stuckness is a level of unworthiness that we have not yet accessed and healed. So you can give me any situation and I can whittle it down and I will find the unworthiness that's, that's holding that person hostage. And once you heal that piece, everything opens up. So I call it relationship, but it's really life. It's just, it's how we're functioning in life. Yeah. And sometimes people need help and you've had that experience that you would be able to help push them, you know, into the direction they need if they can't figure it out on their own. So that's great to know that. And we'll, we'll name your website and everything when we get down to it. But one of the things we found out from conversations that you and I had on the wisdom app was just that you have these great stories. And of course the great stories come out of first, the not so great stories, which is the experience with grief. So you are no stranger to loss and grief. Could you um, tell us what your, who has been that you've lost where you have your experience with death? When I say I'm no stranger, I mean, I'm no stranger. So this isn't just a few people. This is probably 20 people, a lot of people in my life. And my first experience with with this was when I was in sixth grade and my older brother was 16 years old and he got into a car accident, had a massive head injury and passed away from that. So it was my very first experience. And then I had grandparents and our maid and, and friends. And it just, the list goes on and on and on up through the years landing on 2000, I think it was a six, 2005 or six, when my best friend and her daughter were killed by a drunk driver. And then in 2015, I lost my mother and my father four months later and my stepfather a year later. And in between that, my precious little Robbie pup. So I had like this big conglomeration. And since then I have had my older brother pass away as well in, in 2020, 20, early 2020 prior to COVID. Oh my goodness. Wow. So you've That's lost two brothers, two brothers, two parents, a stepdad, a best friend, her daughter and other friends, Ugh. you know, along the journey, grandparents, my favorite aunt. I mean, <laughs> it wow. goes on. That's a That's, big list. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Also so close together as well. That must've been traumatic. What have you done to help get heal through that? Uh, interesting that you asked that because my maiden name is gone. So the gone family has a way of, well, I'll say the whole family, but my brother and I have, my other brother and I have four brothers that I, and just me. So, you know, two are gone now, but one of them, we've talked about this, that when we process grief or someone's passing, people have said to us, you, you, you gones have a weird way of processing grief. And we've talked about that. And when you have someone die so abruptly, a family member, when you're 11 years old, 
you know, let's, let's go here for a little bit. Our brain isn't fully formed yet. Number one, number two, we're not in our high beta state yet. Right. Our brainwave state, we're just sort of entering there. So there's a, there's more of a feeling my way through it is what happened. And I will tell you that this is interesting as well, that the night that my parents came and they said, okay, we're going to drop you guys off at these people's house and we're going to go visit Henry. And they're like, pray for Henry while we're, while we're gone. So I remember sitting in my girlfriend's room and praying for Henry to live. And it was a brick wall. I just felt this brick wall. Nope. He's going to die. Like I knew, nope, there's no amount of prayer that's going to help this. So when, so I realized, I think at that point, and he did, they actually, they went there to pull the plug type situation. Um, But I knew at that point that this is beyond us. This isn't about us. Yeah. There's a whole nother gig going on. And this was nothing that a prayer could fix because this was his time. Part of the plan. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you with your first experience with death? And I'm curious to know, because I've heard that sometimes the first experience and how it's handled will also then actually will kind of lay the path for how you handle death down the road. So I'm curious to know if you could think back to your very first experience, how old you were and what that was like. My first experience that I actually remember, I was really little, so I couldn't even give you an age. Right. Or I don't even know. And our family pet was hit by a car and they just, everybody ran out the garage, made us stay in the house. And that was kind of all we knew was that Poochie was the name of the dog, got hit by a car and then was buried in the backyard. So that was kind of it. There's nothing was really talked about. It wasn't just, he died. It just happened and nobody spoke about it. Yeah. No one really said much about it. Yeah. Mm. Especially when you're that young, they don't want to get into it, especially during that time. Cause I know with my parents, they kind of didn't talk about that kind of stuff until a certain age. Mm. And when you're like four, they don't want to have to explain life and death. So, well, when I was two, my granddaddy held me at the foot of his brother's casket, open casket viewing the whole, I remember the whole family being really mad at him. I remember him fighting with them. And I was, I was too, because I was being held. I somehow I did know my age, but he said, I want to explain to her and talk to her while it's someone she's not close to like before he goes. And he held me there and he told me all about his brother. And he said, now, if you stare at him long enough, you'll see him smile. And I convinced myself that I saw him smiling, you know, and he said, because he's happy, he's free, he's in another place. So to me, it was a very, I found out later on in life that I had to go to viewings for my own closure. And it was because of that experience and that event. So it was interesting. And this was actually what I learned from my death and dying class at Florida State. This is back in college is when I got into all this stuff. And it's interesting to find that some people who absolutely will not go to viewing, it probably stems back to their first experience. So that's why I was asking since you had so much. Yeah. So I just thought it was an interesting thing, little sidebar to, yeah. to look at. I do think I just want to say this about the viewing because it seems like such a morbid thing, but there is a sense of knowing that person is gone because yeah. yes. we're not always with people all the time. So if we don't actually sometimes view mm-hmm. them then we think they're at the store or they're camping, you know, it's, so there is sort of a cementing or a closure, whatever you might want to word that. Exactly. And I think I can also 
relate to seeing that it's not them anymore. It's a vessel yes. because it definitely yeah. looks different, right? There's whatever yeah. that was that made up who they were, you can see is not there. It's yes. not in that body. Yeah. That is now a body. It looks so different. They, and I did not get to see my father because it was a plane crash. So it was closed casket. And I had a really tough time with that. So as you were saying, when they're putting him down in the ground, I remember just thinking, it's hard for me to believe he's really in there. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, I didn't have that closure. Also, when I had to put my dog down, I knew because his, his body was still here, but he was not here anymore. So you can tell the difference, even when they're still here and they're, it's about their time. You can tell that they've left their body already and are already in that spirit world. So it's, it just proves that we're more than the physical being, you know, and it's that, that invisible is what actually Daryl came on one of my talks one time from the wisdom app and, and talked about the invisible. And it's like, why do we have such a hard time as, as a human society to believe in the things we cannot see? And, you know, and, and a lot of us are always, at least Trisha and I are trying to validate people for things that have happened to, that you can't prove because it's, it's in the spiritual realm and then invisible. Yeah. There's so much to that because you can see the difference from when they're there and when they're not. Mm -hmm. And and, and how can we deny, how can we deny that something goes right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, you also spoke about different things that have happened to you, like visitations and the dreams. Can you tell us a little bit of what your experience in that end was? Oh yeah. So the, I got a lot. I'm trying, I'm right now, my brain's going, doo, 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 trying to, That's okay, which, this is, this is where that invisible, it's like what <laughs> invisible things happen to Kristen yeah. to where after you've lost so many people, you yeah. must have some sort of feeling they're still around or have they, have you had dreams or Tons. I've had all kinds of stuff. All right. So well, would you like the apparition story first? Oh, yes. Yes. Because yes. uh, that's actually that's actually a section where we're going to be covering on our Hello from Heaven book, which I believe um, we'll probably post right before your um, podcast post. So it's so relevant. Oh, perfect. Okay. So at one point I was probably, I want to say I was 17 and my I walked into my mom's room, my parents' room one morning. And my mom was just laying in bed with this complete serene look on her face, but almost a bewildered look on her face. And she goes, she looks at me and she said, I saw Henry, my brother. And I said, you did? And she said, yeah. And I said, how, how did that happen? She goes, well, he came, he stood at the foot of my bed and she explained the story. And I said, well, how did you get that to happen? And she said, I just kept saying to him, when you feel like I'm ready, please show yourself to me. I need to see you again. As a mom, this makes me cry, right? Can you imagine a mom saying that? Yeah, no, no. Let me just take a second. Yeah. So I said, well, that's cool. I want to do that. And so I started doing the same thing. I started saying every night before bed, Henry, when you think I'm ready, show yourself to me, show yourself to me. So this is senior year and I'm working late. I got a boyfriend. I'm going to his house after work. I'm, I'm that person that hit the bed. I'm, I'm logging out until the alarm goes off three times. Right. This is that high school year. And, and I would always sleep on my belly. I was a belly sleeper until I was pregnant. So I'm on my, I'm, I wake up and I'm flat on my back, just laying there. And I never woke up in the middle of the night. My eyes pop open and I see someone standing in my doorway, which startled me. 
because if you see someone standing in your doorway, it's going to startle you. Yeah. I was like kind of startled for a second. And then I looked and I said, oh my God, it's Henry. Like he literally had, had shown up in my doorway and I looked at him and I said, oh, hi, Henry. But part of me was like, dear Lord, what did you just do? You made, you know, you're coming, but you know, cause I was 17 and I I was like, okay. And I just said, thank you. And I rolled over and went back to sleep. And then I didn't want to tell people I told my mom and I told my BFF. And that's all I told for many, many years because I didn't think people would believe me. Right. But I know what I saw and I was wide awake. Yep. Yeah. That's the, that's the funny thing about these and why we want to do the podcast we do is because we want to normalize conversations because there are more people out there that have those experiences who are afraid to talk about them. And the more we talk about it and the more we open up and have other people admit, no matter what they believed beforehand, they could have been a skeptic. They could be atheists. It doesn't matter if their loved one wants to show themselves, they will, you know, and I'm out of the closet loud and proud now. I'm just yeah. telling you. Oh yeah. Me too. You guys, Me too. You guys are like, you want to talk? I'm like, sure. Yeah. 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 Right. Let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> and before this happened, did you believe in that kind of stuff that they could come back in this, from the I don't know on? that I gave it much thought. I just don't think, you know, you're in yeah. that, you know, boyfriends and things. Yeah. Right. I don't know that I actually ever gave it too much thought, but the, the woo woo Right. was spoken about in my house from my mom. So my dad wasn't woo at all, but my mom yeah. was extremely woo woo. And she would say, I see things. I know things. I hear things. So it was uh, commonplace. It was acceptable. It wasn't something that, you know, God bless a lot of people whose parents are like, you're not seeing that. That's not what happened. You're, you know, right, you, right. You, all those yeah. things that happen to people. Thankfully that didn't happen to me. So when she said that to me, there was no question whether yeah. I believed her or not. I just said, wow, Henry showed up. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, there he That's is. Right. And and you probably, it, yeah. did it take away some of your grief or some of the pain when you saw him? I think um, by, by that age, I was pretty, okay, here, this is weird because I couldn't tell the story of Henry for 30 years without wow. crying. Yeah. 30 years. If someone asked me, I would tear up. Yeah. And And I could tell you why too, because that's my own story that he Mm -hmm. should still be here. Yeah. That's what I'm telling myself that a 16 year old shouldn't die. So if I take that away and just know that he spent his life here on earth and it was his time and this is what was planned and what have you, then I'm free from that. So, um, it, it gave me peace for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. It gave me peace. But what really gave me peace was like, I told you that night that he passed the brick wall. Yeah. When I knew that yeah. I'm like, you there's knew. something out here that's you knew you could stop it. Yeah. It was just his time, whatever that yeah. is supposed to mean. He did what he was supposed to do. Yeah. The soul contracts, you know, all yeah. that, all that all kind of stuff, all the goodies. And yes. so was there any other experiences you've had that you might consider divine that could have actually changed your life? Oh, please. <laughs> 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 This is my favorite one. So I'll tell you guys this. When I was going through my tsunami, well, mm-hmm. prior, like, so my, my, my husband had left and I'm in the throes of this whole big mess. I've lost my house. I, I had retired from doing hair. So I'd given up my clientele. I had no means of income. Long story short, we had to move in with my parents. But prior to all that, like right after he left, I met another guy and we started dating briefly. And the long story short is that it didn't work out, but somehow I was extremely hung up on him and I couldn't let him go. And even people who knew me were like, this is not like you. 
you're not, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Like I was so held holding on to this guy, even though we weren't in a relationship. So I was walking down the road one day, just bitching and moaning and crying out to God and the universe. And I'm just like, help me. What is happening? I don't know what's happening. This is not typical Kristen. And all at once, I'm literally walking down the road, you guys, this is like 11 o'clock on a Tuesday (laughs) and I'm walking down the road and I go into this state, only way I can explain it, that I don't, I'll tell you on the other side of it, I don't remember walking the length that I walked on the road. So I'm Mm -hmm. in this vision, this world, I don't even know how to explain it, but I went into this state and I'm in a chair with arms. And there's a light being in front of me. I can only give you the shape of it. Okay. Yeah. It just looked like what you would see, maybe the outline of a big angel. Although I don't know that it was an angel. So I don't want to give, I don't right. know. I just call yeah. it a light being. Yeah. Um, it was misty. It was androgynous. It, the voice that it had was not male or female when I say androgynous and it was emotionless. So I'm in this chair and I'm trying to, every time I'm trying to get up out of the chair, this light being without hands, this is very not humanly. So I, it's hard to explain these things, but it would press me back down in the chair without force. So imagine that, like it's pushing me back down, but there's no force. I'm not feeling force. I'm just being put back down in the chair. And I kept trying to get up and it kept pushing me back down in the chair without force saying you're safe. And I would get up you're safe. Get up. You're safe. You're get up safe. This happened like 10 times. Finally, I just, I acquiesced to it and just plopped myself back down in the chair. I'm like, okay. And then boom, I'm out of it. I'm back walking on the street. And I'm like, what was that? Right. Because this was something that it was crazy. The same light being came to me two other times in a meditation. Well, I explain that in a second, but I'm like, what was that? I'm like, okay, well, what was the message? What were you thinking about before that happened? I was asking for help. Why is this happening to me? Blah, blah, blah. The message was you're safe. So I said, okay, what is happening here? And then it clicked. I was putting a false sense of security on this guy. I was unsecure. I don't want to say insecure because that's a different feeling, feeling unsecure and unstable. And I had attached this strange sense of security to him. So I said to myself, okay, where are you secure? The list was huge. This and this and this, I listed everything. And I will tell you that 80% of that unhealthy attachment fell away. The 20% just kind of dwindled over the next couple of weeks and I was no longer hung up. That's amazing. What a great experience to have there. It was crazy and beautiful. And thank you. That's all I got to say. Thank you for setting me free. You know, And it's cool to accept things like that, that can positively change your life without having to really understand who or what that was, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like, great. Thank you. Whatever you were, whoever you were. Thank you. And for anybody who's listening, you'll know when you have these experiences, because there is a sense of stillness and peace that is indescribable. And when I say it had no form, it had no sound, it had no, you know, yep. it, it, there's a feeling to it that can only be of the other realm or the higher yes. realm, God, spirit, essence. There's right. a, there's a, there's a 
a feeling of non-feeling, but not yeah. in a repressed emotion kind of a way. It's a stillness kind of a way. Right. Absolutely. The, when, when they, how did they say, or how did you know that they said you were safe? You were safe. Was it there like was, telepathically or how yes. was it? I love that you brought that up, Trisha, because uh, a lot of times that I've communicated with people on the other side too, has been telepathically. There's no lips moving, even though I'm looking at them in a dream state. And that's how this was. It was through my head. There was no lips. There was no audible sound coming into my ears. It was just in my head sound. Wow. That's great. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. And you had other experiences too. What I know your best friend, I don't know how you handled the best friend either. Cause I don't know how I would deal with um, losing my best friend as well. But you said something in fact of she was up your ass on, this, on your jet. <laughs> so can you tell us uh, all about that story? I figured I could say that. I was writing it, typing that out to you yeah, guys. Like, sure. yeah, they, I've met Misty several. Like, yeah. cool. um, I'll just back up real quick about that light being coming to me okay. two other times in meditation. Oh, okay. And um, that was again, that crying for help, that crying for help. But I seriously, I was meditating like crazy. This was during my college of Kristen, which is what I later called those two years, because it was this profound time of just study and introspection and learning. So Mm -hmm. I called it my college of Kristen. So during that, I, two times the same light being had come in the same type of vision in a meditation. And I, I'm wondering, I think it might've come first before it was actually on the street. So it was coming during meditations when I could quiet my mind, but man, the boldness, right. The audacity that's like, okay, girl, right now (laughs) on 84th street, right. You're in motion. (laughs) Yep. You've already invited me in. So in those two other times too, this was interesting. It came with a lot of conversation or language or speaking. It was like, there was a lot of talking and then only a few like a few words, like a small phrase stood out after my meditation. So whatever I couldn't for the life of me, remember all the other stuff, but the couple words that I did grasp onto, I said to myself, okay, these are what I'm going to hold on to, but whatever something was implanted in me in, in a light type being way that I don't need to know about. I don't need to get all heady and all left brained about this and figure this out. I just know something was said to me, but I'm going to hold on to this phrase. So that's the part about the meditation that happened twice. And they weren't super close together. The thing about Wendy. (laughs) (laughs) So prior to Wendy and Haley's passing, Haley was 10. Prior to that whole situation, I was getting a message in my brain and it looked like ticker tape. Okay. And it would happen on the way home from work. I get a lot of messages driving or in the shower with, I think that's the time that I'm really alone. Yeah. And it, it said a sister is going to die. And I remember, and it's not scary. It's not yelling at me. It's not ego. Yeah. It's just a message. Like pick up some bread at the grocery store. It is that simple. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, a sister's going to die, huh? I think probably the first two, three times I didn't pay attention to this. By the next time it came up, and this was probably six weeks before their crash. So at one point I said, okay, this is coming again. Let me ask myself, first of all, I don't have sisters, as I told you guys. So it's, you know, I don't have a sister. I have sister-in-laws. 
And I'm intuitive enough to go, th- I went through the list that I felt the no, no, no. Remember the wall? Yeah. With yeah. Henry, same, the same kind it's of like, no. Nope, not that one. So I knew it wasn't my sister-in-law's. I just didn't know. So long story short, we're out to dinner for, this is where it gets complicated. Wendy's my best friend, but her sister was married to my brother. Okay. <laughs> so we're kind of family too. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, and our kids are the same exact ages. Wendy and I had a, had a girl first and then a boy, same exact ages. Yeah. Um, so we're out to dinner with them. I had a broken femur at the time from a quad accident. And I remember sitting in my chair and looking at her cause I, you know, I'm, at, I'm in my wheelchair at this point and they were getting ready to leave cause Haley wasn't feeling well. And I remember this, just looking at her and thinking, she's doing so good. She's so beautiful. She's, you know, I just was like loving my friend up in my mind. My mom snapped a picture, the last picture of them as a family. They left 20 minutes later, we leave because my legs hurt and this and that. Now it was my left leg that was broken. So I could drive with my right leg. Um, so my husband at the time was a drinker. And so he was passenger. So we turn a corner and about a mile up the road, I, I say what I, I see is a light show. I mean, there's five air ambulances in the air and there is, um, you know, all the emergency trucks. And I turned to my husband at the time and I said, that's the Fords and someone's dead. And he said, nope. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, nope, don't even, cause I know when this comes. Yeah. So of course we pull up and I'm telling him, cause I'm getting detoured and I have to drive. I'm like, look between the fire trucks, the way they're positioned do you see their van? Do you see their van? And he's trying not to tell me. So long story short, it was them. That was the message that I got. Wendy died at the scene and her daughter Haley passed 20 days later. So yes, that was very traumatic, very dramatic, very, very difficult. But because I later asked my mom, I said, why do you think I got that message, mom? And she goes, I was just God pre-warning you. So since then, I have developed what I now call death perception because I will get these warnings before people pass. Yeah. That's that's another story, but I want to talk about Wendy being up up my ass. (laughs) So Wendy was a poker player. She's tiny little sprite of a woman. Cutest could be Hollywood smile, blonde hair, blue eyes. She was like five foot zero and, but she was a poker player. She'd go into the big poker rooms and she loved gambling. So I started to see every time I left to work when I was in a difficult situation, no, this is before that, before difficult situations, I would, I just started to notice repeatedly on my odometer poker hands. And at first I didn't, you know, I just said, oh, you look at that three threes and four fours or three fours, whatever. And then as I'm, as I'm going, I'm like, that's a poker hand. And then it's four of a kind, then it's two pairs, then it's a full house. You know, all these things are coming up. And I finally said, oh, it's Wendy. (laughs) This is her communicating to me. So since that point forward, every time I was in a difficult situation, I mean, I'm talking 10 minutes later, I'm seeing some type of poker hand. Wow. Not only that, here's another story worth mentioning that Misty and I didn't talk about on wisdom that I later heard is a thing, which I didn't know at the time, right after she passed, I was laying in my bed and I was wide awake, just staring into space. And again, I went into this alternate realm and I watched, which conscious Kristen right now cannot draw this up. So this is why I know it was something spiritual because I watched this, like, you know, the old movies where you watch the stories going by, you know, I watched this movie of my life with Wendy. 
from the day we met to the next thing, to the so-and-so, to her car, to every single experience went by in a movie. Like I was watching a video and later my girlfriends, one of my girlfriends said to me, you know, that's a thing. And she named it something. Like a life review or a different kind of. Yeah. I don't know, but she said, that's a thing that, that spirit will do to communicate with you. And it was a very loving, joyful thing to watch. It wasn't painful. So that was interesting too. Yeah. That sounds beautiful to hear and be able to see your whole life that you've spent with your best friend. That's a great thing. It is. And so do you still feel like she's around or influencing you or communicating with you in your life? What was the up your ass part? That's it. Yeah. Every, every, up my ass. Every time something happens, she's there. Okay. She's there. She is there in a good way up my ass. Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, she's always, always around. <laughs> like I feel her all the time. And I, and I, that's she communicates cool. with me the second something goes wrong. I've got a Wendy message. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody else that has given you like messages when you're going through something that you've noticed? Mm. No, not that I can think of. I think it's Wendy's really, yes. you know, they say this too, right? That when people, sometimes people pass and they become your angels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it would be my mom. Yeah. Cause she it's was an true. earth angel. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah. strange to me that it's, that it's Wendy. That is right. Neat though. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have, you've had dreams of loved ones too, haven't you? For sure. Yeah. Who's come to you or tell us about that. People love to hear about dreaming or visitations. So my first visitation was my grandfather, who was a devout Catholic, uh, died in his eighties and was an altar boy, even in his eighties in his Catholic church here in the retirement community in Phoenix called sun city. And he passed and he came to me in a bust Okay. So it's just from here up like a bust, you know, a bust statue you'd see. And the way he looked was airbrushed. So he was his age, but airbrushed, like his wrinkles would be gone and maybe any colored spots. So he, he was sort of airbrushed looking. It's the only way I can explain it. Yeah. And just glowing. Yeah. And he, and I said, he just popped up and I said, grandpa. And he said, look at me, look how great I look. He That's said, cute. he said, tell everyone. Oh. And so, I know. And then that, and, and this is telepathic. Like we yeah, touched yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm like, okay, I got to tell people. Grandpa. <laughs> 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 and so I think this is early thirties. Yeah. So my dad's walking out of my house one day. My dad was a very quiet man. He didn't talk about woo. Yeah. He was, he was very broken after Henry passed away. And did, I don't think ever really truly recovered from that. Yeah. And he's walking down. He left, he left my front door and I'm walking behind him. I'm like, so dad, (laughs) um, grandpa came to me in a dream last night (laughs) and he stops and he turns around and looks at me so serenely and sweetly. And he goes, oh yeah. And I said, yeah. And he looked like this and it sounded like this. And he said this, and he just shook his head in agreeance and continued walking to his car. And I was like, okay, one down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he came to him in a dream that night too. You never and he know. didn't tell me because yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So then I called my aunt at some point, my aunt that I said, my beloved aunt that passed away. Yeah. 
So I'm talking to my aunt Peggy, which is his sister. Mm-hmm. And this is their brother by the, uh, I'm sorry, their father. Okay. Yeah. And so I said to my aunt, I said, so we're talking one day and I said, um, and I tell her the story and she goes, oh my God, Kristen, mom, mom has come to see me. She sits in my living room. <laughs> so I was like, well, know, yeah. I, <laughs> I think the more we talk about this, yes. the more people are validated that they're yes. having these experiences too. And it's yeah. perfectly okay. And normal. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's definitely yes. what I love about it. And even with pets, you know, you can have a sensory or an experience with pets, which, yeah. um, you've had that too, right? Yes, I did. Yes. Um, so I had a cat that I had to put down. I never want to do that again. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the hardest that thing. The, it is the worst. And I've yes. even been with other people putting their pets down and it's the worst. Yes. And so the cat's name was Petey because she was really little. She was a stray that came to us and she was like a black tortoiseshell type looking cat, but she was really little. And my friend said, you should name her something like petite kitty. And I said, how about Petey? So she's a girl, but she's named Petey. And we had to put Petey down. And one day I'm walking, this is months later, I'm walking through my house at the time, different house that I have now. And I get this whiff of Petey. You know, your pets have smells. Yes. Yes. And they have individual smells. Yes. And, and I stood and it was like, I walked into a cloud of perfume, but it yeah. was Petey. And I just mm-hmm. stood in this and I smelled for like 10 seconds, right. a long time. I just sat and I went, oh, that's Petey. Yeah. Aww. And then I knew that, that she was okay too. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Ugh. Yeah. That is really cool. And one time you and I were on the wisdom app and discovered that we had this. I know we didn't get to talk about it long and nearly long enough, but that how some people before they die, start saying interesting things, almost as if something in them knows their time is coming. And it's, it's not even like they 100% can say, okay, I'm dying on May 5th this way, but there is something more spiritual about the way they go about it. And I was curious to, to know if you'd be interested talking a little bit about that, because you have a fascinating story about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So all four mom, dad, Henry, and Wendy had this. Mm. So I'll go with Henry because he was first. Henry was 16 years old and he in uh, Christmas break of his, of whatever year he's in, he was in a woodshop class. So in Christmas break, he said to my mom, I want to go to school because I want to finish my table. And she's like, honey, you have all year, you have all year. And he goes, no, no, no. If I don't finish, if I don't finish it in Christmas break, I don't feel like I'm going to get it done. Okay. There's another story with that too. And then I'll tell you the date he died. He also said to my mom, what, what 16 year old says this, I don't ever want to be a quote unquote vegetable. If I ever have a brain injury, pull the plug. I do not want to live like that. Wow. So both those things happened in December and he died late January. Wow. So that was him. Yeah. My mom had cancer for 10 years, slow growing cancer. It was lung cancer, but it was the, not the small cell. It was large cells. It was very slow growing cancer. 
And her last Christmas, she's practically throwing things at me. Take this, take this, take this, take this, take this. And she's trying to give me all these ornaments that I had bought her. They're these little people that had loose legs, but they were from different countries because my mom was really um, international. So one year I had bought her all these ornaments. She's like, take this, take this, take this. And then she said another time, she said, this is my last Christmas. And she tried to put it under the guise of, I just don't want to do it again. Cause it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. But that something was something new, yeah. something in her new December, 2014. And she passed, um, Super Bowl Sunday, 2015. Wow. February one. Wow. I think it was the day after Henry passed by the way. Oh my. Yeah. Oh, and here's wow. what's interesting. Wendy and Haley were killed or in their crash. Cause Haley died 20 days later on Wendy's sister's birthday, my sister-in-law. Wow. Wow. Interesting, huh? How this all it's so strange. My dad always said, I just need to make it, I just want to make it to 80. I just want to make it to 80. I just want to make it to 80. We had a birthday party for him and his twin. Perfectly. He had cancer, but it was um it was a faster growing cancer, but he Mm -hmm. was fine on his 80th birthday and passed six months later. So he made it to 80. Yeah. So that was him. Wendy was an absolute freak. When I say this, I mean, freak. (laughs) We're all freaks about our kids. Yeah. But she had a thing about seatbelts in cars. Yeah. Like, first of all, she had to seatbelt her own kids in. She wouldn't let them do it themselves. And she had to kiss them on each cheek. Like it had to be like this OCD thing that she did. And I'm before not calling it driving somewhere or going anywhere. Okay. He would also not let her kids drive with anybody except for her and her husband. And I think her mother, she would follow a field trips for the school. She would follow behind the bus. She would put her kids <laughs> in her car and follow behind the bus. Oh my. I mean, wow. she absolutely would not let her kids yeah. drive in a car and guess how they died in a, a car. car. In oh, a car. Okay. So I do feel like there's this part of us that knows already. Right. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I, yeah. And I wonder how that goes. I mean, I felt like my dad was like that because a year before he died, he'd come to me and said, I'm afraid of dying. And I said, why are you telling me this? <laughs> I was in college and he goes, I want to believe like you. And then I felt like that whole next year was preparing him. You know, we exchanged books, Brian Weiss's Many Lives from the Masters and other books like it. that. Yes. One of my favorites. <laughs> I love Brian Weiss. And, you know, and so it was like, it was, it, it was like something in him just knew I've got to wrap up some things. And he did. And I know that the day he had his plane crash, he was not afraid of dying. And that brought me peace. Yes. You know, he also, he also did one of those contracts where he said, okay, the first one who goes me or you got, has got to contact the other one you promise. And I, I said, promise. And, and he's definitely, he's come through to me a lot. He's around me all the time throughout my whole life. And my kids too, when my, my twin boys were little and they were born five years after he died, um, I was putting them in the car and their seats. So they were that aged where they had to be in car seats. And they started talking to each other about how much fun they had last night playing with their Papa Jean. It was dead. And so That's I'm of course, I'm in the car going, what are they talking to? <laughs> you know, and I'm listening and it was like, they had had the same dream 
of playing with him and the types of toys and things they were playing with were so my dad. My dad was the one who was getting, and this was, you know, in the 80s, so in the 70s when robots and remote control robots and things were coming out, he was the first one to buy them. Wow. And I was I was an only child, but he would then get the neighborhood boys over to like shoot rockets up and stuff, you know, and that's what I was hearing my boys wow. say, who must have been like two or three. And I'm, I'm sitting there like driving and listening going, okay, this is a little weird. And they, and because I never, as a parent, I never said, oh, you're crazy or it's your imagination or anything like that. I just asked them questions and acknowledged it to them. It's a very real memory even now when they're in their twenties and they're like, oh yeah, he, he used to come play with us in our dreams and stuff. They don't even think anything of it. It's like, I love it. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, I like that you, <clears throat> I like that you guys made the pact prior to him passing. That, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And he, he definitely, and, and you can do that with people, you know, and, and Trish and I yeah. heard Don Edwards say that, uh, yeah. you know, that you the know, contracts, some people, yeah, you can, you can make a contract with someone and, you know, and live it out. And just like, you know, you're, you're pointing out how things pop up numbers and things, you know, and you're recognizing, and that means something to you and Wendy, and, and it's a way that they figure out how to communicate. And that's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I knew when about when my dad was going to pass too, because it was, I had surgery on the 12th and then he passed away on the 15th. Wow. And he was not feeling well. And he knew, I think he knew because he did not want to go to the doctors. He didn't want to like, he just, he signed his taxes that day on the 15th and of like a couple hours later, he was gone. He knew he wanted to take care of his finances before he left. Wow. And he was quick. He was, and he was a heart he, attack. He yeah, was just he like was a I'm massive out. heart attack. Like wow. he didn't have a heart condition. So right? that we knew of. So he, all of a sudden you hear him fall. You're like, like he's, and, he's done. He checked out. He checked like really fast. And I was like, I mean, they did CPR for like probably over 30 minutes. But I think he knew prior, he didn't really give us hints, but he knew that, okay, I have to do this and this before I go, because I don't want my kids to have to deal with this part of after I die, you know, and that's, and that's something you can only see like after the fact, right? Trish. So it's, it's, it's that observing after the fact you're like, huh, you know, there was, there's signs there. There were. You know, so even if we don't see them before it happens, a lot of times we can look back and we can see how someone's life, you know, just happened to line up just in time before they left because mm-hmm. somewhere in there, you know, there, there was just a plan. And even my mom wanted to give me her wedding band from her hand before she passed. Right. Yeah. And as, but, but I was like, no, you're not giving it to me yet. <laughs> You're like, don't go, don't go. If I take the ring, you're going, aren't you? Yeah. 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 It took me a while before we, I took it. I was like, you still have time. So at that point she's like, okay. So she stayed a little bit longer. And then I think it was like a year later is when she passed. Yeah. But she's already, she's like, this is yours. You, you get to have it after I pass. So I never on your neck. I have it around my neck. I never not wear this. It's always on me. So 
I think it's important to add that I don't, I don't know that this is a conscious thought for them. I feel it's an energy, like it just right, like, kind right. of like just a, that quiet yeah. knowing that just drives their behavior. Yes. Like, I don't think they're like, Hey, I'm going to die tomorrow. Right. hundred percent. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it's almost that same part, like when you'd spoken earlier of a divine light being talking to you and you knew there was something else being told to you that it's to your subconscious. Yeah. So there, there is this other deeper level to our being and who we yes. are and something else that even pushes us that we don't even know, you know, even those things that push us into the right direction of, you know, we don't even realize that we're headed toward a, a destiny, but something is pushing us and driving us. So absolutely. I, I think it's, and it's good that you point that out. It's not a, yeah, I could write out what's going to happen. It's just yeah. this knowing and this desire to complete things or to, you know, hit certain tasks and milestones. Yeah. You know, you guys yeah. talked about the warning that we, where you get the warnings. I have a good story about this one. If you want oh, to hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> of course we Go do. For it. Yes. So, uh, I was with my now husband, but we were, um, dating at this point and we woke up, I woke up one morning and I receive, and I'm sure you guys do too. And no, and no people that do, we receive a lot in that kind of theta state before we become fully conscious. Mm-hmm. We wake up, but we're, I always explain it to people as I'm awake, but my eyes are still shut and I'm kind of not really fully in the room. Right. Right. And in that state, I received a song and it was a song I had never heard before. And it had a melody and a tune that went with it. And I couldn't tell you how that went, but the song's lyrics were, it's my time to leave you. And so I woke up again, the same peaceful feeling, the same thing that the messages are sent to me. And I looked at my husband, my, who's now my husband. And I said, one of my parents are going to die and don't tell me no, like, don't even try to tell me this is not, he just comes poor guy. He's so not woo. Yeah. He looked at me like, "Uh, what? And I'm like, nope. I heard this song because it's the way it came. It was the feeling with it. And so this is also interesting is that the month of January, my father was in the hospital, my mother was in the hospital, and my stepfather was in the hospital. Wow. And they overlapped, oh. like maybe two were in, and then one got out, and then the other one went, you know, like it was yeah. very, very close together. So I didn't know who was going to pass. Right. And I know my stepfather yeah. since I was 10. They didn't get married when I was 10. My parents were still married, but he, they were friends. Anyway, it's all legit. Yeah. So- then we're driving to the hospital one night to visit my dad. Cause remember they're all in and out. And I don't remember right. the timeline of who was where we're right. going to visit my dad. And this, there's something in the road. And this is the same 84th street that I was walking on when I had my <laughs> oh, divine yeah. thing. Okay. So there's okay. something in the About road. About that street. <laughs> so I think I need to go back and like yeah, do a little yeah, something. Yeah. So I'm, we're driving down the street and there's something in there standing in the street and we literally have to put our brakes on and almost stop. And what is it? It looked like a three foot owl. This thing went to take off and its wingspan was like, (gasps) this thing takes off and it looked like, I can't even tell you how big its wings are. Maybe as big as my arms wide. Yeah. And it's just the slow, just power of this thing is it's, you know, and And I, you know, we know that owls sometimes signify death. So of course my thinking brain is going, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. And I'm I'm trying to Google totems about the owl. And it's like, it could mean what wisdom it could mean this, but anyway, 
We come home from the hospital one of the nights. I don't know which night. And remember, I'm staying at my mom's at this point and stuck to the, you know, it's one of those um, front doors that you, it's got the round curve handle and you hold it, but then you push the lever with your thumb. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those type door handles. And there's this huge, probably five, six inch white feather stuck on the door handle. <gasps> oh my um, goodness. That's interesting. So all those three things happened. But when I ha- heard the song, my mother passed away four days later mm. and she was not in the hospital yet. So there's some of the timing. She wasn't in yeah. yet. Yeah. So yeah, she passed away four days later after that song. Oh. And I knew. Yeah. That is cool. neat that sometimes these messages, cause you even said like the ticker tape message and you know, it, it's, it's cool. I always, I want to know, but we're never going to know who's giving me those I, messages, you know, where are they coming from? And, and then we, we talk about how we're, we're all able to pick up on things like that. You are clearly intuitive and I'm curious if that has developed and strengthened and have you practiced that or is that how you work that into your coaching and and mentoring to help people or can you speak a little bit to to Kristen Brown and these experiences and this um, intuitiveness so the first time I had an intuitive experience I was in first grade and the teacher said hey little Johnny can't keep his hamster anymore anybody who wants it go home and ask your parents and then come back and we'll put you in a drawing. In that moment, I knew the hamster was mine. Didn't ask oh. my parents to, no, I just knew. You're I'm like, like this hamster's mine. That's coming to me. <laughs> Went home, asked my mom. Mom said, yes, we get back to the next day. They court, And I'm just sitting there. I'm just like, Kristen, I knew it. Kristen, yay. And then I had Tweety. And, and Tweety was a sad death. You know, that was sad too. So that would be first grade that I had that. So as far as intuition goes, I've always had it. I believe we all have it, but I think I spent a lot of time alone with my best friend who was God. Like, and I was not raised in a religious household. I just would, when I was alone, I would talk to the air and I called it God. Yeah. So I think in, I started cultivating without knowing um, a really good connection with that source. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it has helped me so many times throughout my life. Guide me. It's, it's, it's saved me from harm. So many times I can't even explain, even in fourth grade, when I was put in proximity with a pedophile and I didn't have the words to tell my mom, this guy's a pedophile. All I could say was, I don't like him, but it was a feeling. It yeah. was just a feeling, a feeling, a feeling. So yes, I am. I think we're all intuitive. So when I say, yeah, I'm extremely intuitive. It sounds like I have something that other people don't have. I would just say I'm really close to my intuition. Yeah. Okay. And yes, it does guide me with coaching people because I will start getting messages to what they need or where they're at prior to working with them for the first time. And I will, I will actually sometimes meditate about it and I'll take notes. I'll say, and then when I bring that to the session and I ask about it, they're always like, yes, 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 yes. So, and they feel very seen and heard because when it's coming in that type of way, it makes them feel, again, it's that whole feeling that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm yes. having all these harsh feelings or struggles, but yet you knew. So this must mean it's, you know, there's more to us and that faith yeah, yeah. factor really helps people heal. So yes, I do bring, um, I don't bring my intuition. It's just with me. And I will, I will, once I get to know 
my clients pretty well once we're, you know, BFFs, because that's inevitably what happens when you work that closely with someone, I will, I'll, they'll be talking and I'll just be like, you know, and I'll kind of wave my hands or I'll just go like this. I have to say this because it's going to go and I will say it. And they're like, yes. So yes, I do factor it in. And because intuition is of God, it's always feels good to hear it. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that would ever scare anybody. It's actually very quite liberating and validating for people. Wow. And, um, you were, it's, you told us about something about random reading that you had to, you gave to a clerk at an auto express. Okay. This is funny because <laughs> I literally just wrote down while you were talking. So this is the intuition <laughs> medium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're right. on the same page. To, re- to remind myself, cause this is such a fun story. Yes. Please. In my head. Okay. So this was still living at my mom's house, college of Kristen, all this healing, tons of meditating, tons of reading, all these things. And one day I just had this bright idea. I'm like, I'd like to medium for somebody. So I told God like the night before or something, I said, yeah, I would love to medium for somebody. I would love to have that experience. Just make it, you know, like I can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. So we go to audio express, which I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's a, do you guys have that where you're at audio express? I I know. Mm Mm-mm. I, I wasn't sure at first I was thinking, was it like an auto express store? And then I realized it was audio. So a tech. Kind yes. Of store? It has to do with like car speakers and car okay. stereos. Perfect. So I, in this, I had a CD stuck in my, my player. So I took my, my van, my mom van over there to get this thing out. So I walked in with my daughter who's 27. Now she's, she was about 16 at the time when we walk in and I have to explain it this way because the desk is the shape of like a crescent moon. Okay. That's how the desk is shaped. He's on the one tip of the crescent moon. I walk in, I'm like, hi, explain my situation. This young man, I'm guessing around 28, won't look up at me, won't barely acknowledge us. His head is down. He's monotone. And I'm like, geez, what's up with this guy? Right. Cause it's like, this is not customer service, but I don't get attached to those things. I was just definitely noticing there's no interaction happening here. So we're just talking and we walk over, he walks over to another computer, which is now like at the bottom, the, the dish part of the crescent moon. And I'm, we're just sitting there and I keep getting this, this sound on the right side of my head inside. And I would call this Claire audience because it, it was, it was words. And all it kept saying to me was little boy, little boy, little boy, little boy. So we're standing there and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, this, this is what I asked for. Maybe this is for him. So I said, do you have a son? No, head down. And again, this guy is not engaging with me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, I'm like, all right. right." Meanwhile, he moves to another computer now on the other end of the crescent. I'm just giving you the visual. So he's over here. And I said, "Um, do you have any like little boys in your family that have passed away? And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, my nephew. I said, oh, okay. Now I'm sitting here. I'm like, now what God? Right. Cause I, that's all I got right. this little boy. <laughs> and then I said, oh, okay. And I said, you know, how, how old was he? He was X months old. It was sudden infant death syndrome. Oh, wow. so I go, oh, okay. I'm like, that's so sad. I'm sorry. And I'm just sitting there. And then he goes, and my brother and his wife both passed away since the death of their son. Wow. 
Wow. And I said, oh, wow. You mean the parents of the little boy? And he goes, yeah. And I said, how? He goes, they don't know. They were both found dead in their apartment. I said, was there toxicology? Was there this? He goes, they have zero cause of death. Oh my God. I said, well, I need to tell you that they're here with you because I've been getting this message, little boy, and this and that. Just that. I have chills. This (laughs) man with his head down, so sad. You could just tell. And I think it was his twin brother or something. He perked up like the sun came out and the rainbows came out. He's skipping around. He's smiling. He's looking at me in my eyes. He's giving me free shit. He's like, he can't, he can't <laughs> love me enough. Walking me to the door. And I looked at my 16 year old and we left. I go, did you see? And she goes, I saw it, mom. <laughs> it was just a beautiful moment. And, and it's not really happened since. But that was, I asked for it and it came. It's a great thing because you just gave him hope and yes. a, a little healing to get through what he was going through at that time. That's amazing. And you have to be careful with that kind of thing because even as John Edward will say, you don't want to be the attack medium. But my aunt will openly say, uh, well, I don't 100% agree with John because I have even received a message for someone before and I don't put myself out there as a medium. I'm just like anyone else, things happen and I followed it and it brought that person peace. They weren't asking for it. And it, you do have to be very delicate because it could go the wrong way, Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, but if it brings someone peace, that's, that's a beautiful gift. Yeah. And I trusted in the divinity of this. I trusted that that was given in the right perfect divine timing and space. And it felt inside. Okay. To say, yeah, but yeah, I can see exactly what you're talking about with. Yeah. Yeah. You, I guess you could be an attack medium. I never even heard that. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what John Edwards said straight to us the other day. Uh, Wow. Was he on here? No, we actually went to his show the other day. Nice. He, He was in Burbank and we got to go live. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, listen, we are so grateful that you were able to come join us and talk with us. Trisha, was there anything else from what we've talked about with her that you want to ask? No, I think you told us so much and it was so beautiful. All these different stories that you had and just, it's great to hear that you had it and you're sharing it with the world and your your gift of helping people and helping them heal and everything. So thank you for sharing all these stories with us. Well, I really want to acknowledge and honor you guys because this, this conversation and these type of podcasts and information that's in the world, people need, they don't know they need it, but when they get it, they know it's exactly what they needed. So if I can contribute to what you're putting out and producing in the world, in the, in the great, in the grand scheme of, in the name of love, then I'm happy to be here and so grateful that you guys invited me to come to your stage. And I'm, I'm just, I can talk about this stuff all day long. <laughs> oh, I know. And uh, anyone yes. listening who wants more of Kristen Brown, you can look for her on kristenbrown.org. And that will also have links to all your social media pages, your Instagrams and Facebooks and Twitter and whatever you have. And you could look for her podcast, Sweet Empowerment Podcast, where she's a host or catch her live on the Wisdom app and join in a conversation, which is how I've actually met Kristen. I know. So <laughs> I love if anybody hasn't checked out the Wisdom app yet, it's a new audio 
um, listening device or app that you could download. And there are live conversations happening where you can join in and pick topics that you're interested in. And Krista joined, Kristen joins conversations all the time and also hosts her own. And Trisha and I go on that as well. So yeah. thank you once again. Thank oh, you. Thank you guys so, so much. And God bless the wisdom app, right? For bringing right. us all together. <laughs> yes. No, I love it. I love it. It's a neat community and it it's definitely something that, you know, everyone should check out and I'm grateful for too. You guys are the best. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So email us at trisha.misty.tm at gmail.com. Our podcast, Surviving Death and Dying, is available worldwide on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Amazon Audible, Listen Note, Facebook, YouTube, and more. You can also go to our website, survivingdeathanddying.com, where we have links to the books we talk about. So please like, share, subscribe, and follow. We did it again. We survived death and dying. Another episode. Because we believe life and love never dies.